Hello and welcome to The Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. I'm Alex. I'm Julio, and thank you for listening. If you like what you hear, head over to Apple Podcasts to subscribe and leave us a five-star review. Help promote the algorithm and spread the word. You can also find us on SoundCloud to subscribe and review. And don't forget to visit our main website, wearethecontrarians.com. Follow us on Twitter at Contrarian Prime. And to like us on Facebook, visit facebook.com slash Contrarian Prime. And if you have the willpower to keep up with our pretentious ramblings, you can follow us individually at Contrarian Alex for myself and at Ovnio for Julio. That's O-V-N-I-O. Now, time for the podcast. Okay, we're recording for Contrarian's Corner for Swordfish. The summer of Travolta rages on. Hello, my name is Alex, and welcome back to The Contrarian's, where we're right and you're wrong. Joined, as always, by my co-host and friend, Julio. Julio, how are you doing today? I'm this pumped. This evening. This tonight. evening, tonight. I am pumped. We are in the, the home stretch of the summer of Travolta. Not the home stretch of the summer of Texas. Good but, God, no. Uh but it's good to be refreshed by by yet another John Travolta vehicle. And the action on the screen here was just as hot as the, the Texas sun is oh, yeah. in mid-July or end of July here. Uh, we're here today to visit or go back. I'm I, first time seeing it. So for me, it's um, a whole new world. Swordfish from 2001. Not a John Travolta vehicle. This was a Hugh Jackman vehicle all the way. I don't know. Do you think... I mean, he gets first billing. Yeah, but that's because, you know, who the hell was Hugh Jackman in 2001? <laughs> the first X-Men was still, you know, people weren't quite on board yet. Right, they were uh, they were assimilating it. They're processing it. Mm-hmm. He was not Wolverine. People forget it, how it, cartoony that first X-Men movie was. Yeah, they were like, it's that guy that's trying to be Wolverine. So, Swordfish is in the Travolta era of basic... And then have we done anything? Uh, Battlefield Earth. Jesus. So. <laughs> he That's had not a, auspicious. a hot couple years there. <laughs> but also, much like Basic and Battlefield Earth, not one that set the world on fire with the critics. Now, before we get into the reviews and the rating on Rotten Tomatoes, this is Contrarian's Corner here on The Contrarians, uh, where we basically take the Rotten Tomatoes score and argue for a case against that. In this case, the Rotten Tomatoes score was... 26% for Swordfish. So rotten through and through. Yes, a big old green splotch. So what were the critics saying about this, Julio? The critics said, Peter Rayner, starting with New York Magazine Vulture, said, another in a long line of middling movies for Travolta. Peter Travers, from the Rolling Stone Magazine, said, this lazy script by Skip Woods slimes the actors. Now, I mentioned it to you, Alex, just as the credits were rolling. I said, hey, it's our pal Skip Woods. We've yes. done at least two movies by him. Which were? Uh, on the rotten side, we did a good, die, a good Day to Die Hard. We did. Yeah. With Chaz. With Chaz. Well, I think one of the quotes uh, when we did that episode was something about, like, do, do with this movie what the screenwriter's first name tells you to do, which is skip it. <laughs> um, and then he also did your beloved A-Team. He did. And he also wrote the instrumental score that they played during the intermission uh, in theaters throughout the country. He directed the orchestra, in fact. He's a man of many talents, Skip Woods. He can make a bad movie, he can make a good movie. And he can make a hell of a score. 
uh, Ron Wells from Film Threat says, Some explosions, a lot of techno, two X-Men, and a sweat hog. Who's the sweat hog? Travolta? Don Cheadle? <laughs> Vinnie Jones? The guy from Fight Club? Sam Shepard? <laughs> Chuck Rudolph from Matinee Magazine says, An incredible, convoluted, and ponderous techno-thriller that does little but showcase fast-fading star John Travolta at his most staggeringly ineffectual. Jeez. He took it personal. He, he went all out against the movie and Travolta. E-Online says, The movie tries too hard to make working on computers sexy. Trust us, it's not. I mean, there is a lot of sexiness there in this is, movie. yeah. We'll, we'll get to that. Oh, yeah. What I referred to as the anti-Clockwork uh, Orange scene. <laughs> and finally, Jeff Weiss from Deseret News, Salt Lake City, says, With all due disrespect to Freddie Prince Jr., John Travolta is fast becoming the new harbinger of bad cinema. What was Freddie Prince Jr. doing? <laughs> what did he do to this guy? <laughs> I didn't even think the first Scooby-Doo had come out yet. Wing Commander, maybe? Uh, she's all that. Was that Freddie Prince Jr.? That's not a bad movie. No, it's not. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Continue. Uh, that is the last one. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> I figure what better way to close the rotten quotes than uh, dig at both Freddie Prince Jr. and John Travolta. Hell of a time. It's like a backwards passing of the torch. So, so when I was doing uh, my research on this, for some reason in my head, this movie was called Project Swordfish, and then it was Operation Swordfish. Nope. It's like Prince. It was just one word. It was uh, Seal. Well, it's just because uh, Justin Timberlake went up to Dominic Santa. He's like, just a suggestion. Drop the project. Just swordfish. It's cleaner. <laughs> it's cleaner. It'll make a lot more money. We'll have an apple teeny. You know what's cooler than John Travolta? John Travolta and Hugh Jackman. Yes. And a naked Halle Berry. Yeah, repeatedly. Just no real substance to her character. But uh, swordfish... Uh, in the vein of another wonderful film, Reindeer Games, that we've covered here. I thought you were going to say basic. Just keeping it in-house. With with well, does Travolta. basic really start with the, the... Is the beginning the end? Basic is just... The end is the beginning is the end. It's, is the beginning. <laughs> but much like Reindeer Games, this movie kicks off with the end. Uh, basically, we see where we're going to get. Uh, and this is an intense hostage situation with a bank being held up. And then a woman is blown up as she's being taken away by two police officers. Uh, she has a big bomb strapped to her that's full of metal balls. Oh, that's, that's what, what that ball was. Yeah. Okay, I, I missed that part. I thought it was somebody's glass eye, and then and then I realized it was and just it was like a marble. Hugh Jackman, <laughs> Hugh Jackman. And he was looking back at it saying, what have I become? <laughs> yeah. Uh, but actually, before before this lady even explodes, we get a magnificent monologue the likes of which can only be delivered by actors such as John Travolta. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's just, I guess, sort of a, a Tarantino-esque riff on movie making, how uh, movies are bullshit and a real bad guy would always get away with it mm-hmm. if, if he was ruthless, followed by Travolta being ruthless. ruthless. <laughs> and for the interim getting away with it. Yeah, so I mean... I. I get it. I, I, I pick up on what Dominic Senna is, is dropping there. Yeah. A little bit of meta commentary on how Hollywood is just afraid of, of really upping the ante when it comes to its bad guys. So, yeah, some pretty violent shit right out the get-go. Those metal balls strapped inside those explosives basically just rip people apart, blow up cars. 
we get a Matrix-esque scene, the 360. Yep, yeah, yeah. we see everybody. This is how you do it. Not, uh, you know, the last movie we did, Blowout. We had also a really long take, no cuts. Mm-hmm. That was that fake horror movie where you see a lot of people having sex and then getting killed. It's, and... a, it's a good scream. <laughs> yeah, so that that's the boring way of doing it. And I understand that movie was so many years ago. This one, it's only a few years ago. Yeah. Uh, by now, I mean, Dominic Senna had promised with that monologue that he was going to up the ante, and he does. It, it's just carnage. Uh, it, and that's how you start a movie now. That's how you blow shit up. He had already upped the ante with Gone in 60 Seconds, and this just kind of took it to a whole new level. It, Let you know right. the St. Your Daddy's Travolta film. Four days earlier, we go back to there is a hacker nabbed in the airport. A uh, bit of a... Rookie mistake, he left his fake passport in his computer bag, and the TSA is able to nab him pretty quickly. And then he tries to escape, but not too hard. I mean, I think that it's it's a fairly accurate depiction of hackers. I buy this more than I buy Keanu Reeves in The Matrix, mm-hmm. where in The Matrix, he's not just a hacker, but he's just overall a cool guy, right? Yeah. Here, this hacker, obviously, the moment that they took him out of his basement and his computer... I'm surprised that he even had like the forethought to pack a passport to begin with. Yeah. So of course the cops grab him and and his move is oh I'm just gonna walk out the door <laughs> and hope they don't notice. And shockingly, it doesn't go well. Oh no, he ends up on the floor with four guns pointed at him. We eventually learn that he at the time was working for John Travolta's character, right? Whose name we will get to momentarily. Hugh Jackman is our main character, Stanley Jobson who resides in Texas because, of course, he does. Hugh is decked out in some wonderful uh, early 2000s jeans uh, with you know his finest logo tees and his frosted tips and his one earring. Yeah, and, and his excellent physique. I mean, he's fucking Hugh Jackman, of course. Like we talked about, he was rookie Hugh Jackman here. He right. Was, he was still a light heavyweight. He hadn't moved up to the heavyweight division as of yet. This, this Hugh Jackman... Uh, Fit as he is, the Hugh Jackman from Logan, Logan would have kicked his ass. Oh yeah, no, he would have like had him for lunch. <laughs> uh, he is a former hacker that is on parole for hacking an FBI database, and the big kicker is he cannot use computers, so he stays on some rustic. It's off the grid, right outside a ravine or a fjord somewhere, and yeah, he's off the grid. And I think much like Logan, he's doing construction work typecast from the very beginning (laughs) we learn very quickly he has an estranged daughter and his ex-wife is now a porn star who her husband is a porn producer we learn all this because we're introduced to our female lead safe to call her the female lead i mean if anybody's gonna fit the bill compliment (laughs) a a female character in this movie uh ginger played by halle berry she comes in essence to recruit stanley she says, my boss you know, knows who you are, what you do. We need you for an operation. Um, she gives him like 100 grand, right? Yeah, spot. just just as a starter, just so he can take a meeting. Uh, this is the first of many uh, shots that linger on Halle Berry's body as she hikes up her skirt to swing a golf club. Yes, but there is a very, a very telling twist halfway through the movie that I think justifies all of this. Uh, but at this point, what I was thinking is, fair's fair. Mm-hmm. Because we open with a shirtless Jackman in this sequence playing golf. Yeah. So, 
I'm fine. I, 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 I'm okay with eye candy as long as you're, you're serving both genders, right? If you're into men, you, you, you have you Jackman Jack beefcake. If you're into women, you and have... Travolta with whatever that hair, that <laughs> Professor Snape hair that he's got going on. <laughs> Travolta, uh, we should dedicate about 10 minutes to the way that Travolta looks here. But... And his fucking uh, soul patch that looks like a Lego that was stuck in, and they just remove it in between takes. But, uh, to your point, there is eye candy for whatever you're into. Yeah, I mean, Male, this is... female, Travolta. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Male, female, Scientologist. Yeah. Either way, you, you're you well served. Uh, oh my God, I don't identify as a gender. <laughs> uh, I, by now, X-Men had come out. I think they look a thousand times sexier in this movie than in X-Men. In X-Men, they're wearing skin-tight black leather suits. Mm-hmm. So... Good on Santa for really capitalizing on the sex appeal of his stars. And Halle Berry rocking that short haircut, man. Her and like Jamie Lee Curtis are the ones that come to mind yeah. that could really rock it. Yeah, it's like if you got it, flaunt it. Yeah. Just enjoy it. I, I wish I'd done more to profit from my physique in my young days. I wish Halle Berry knew more that I appreciated her looks then. Because I don't know where she is now. <laughs> Uh, Halle Berry, again, throws a hundred grand at Hugh Jackman, obviously enough to entice him. They hop on a plane. They travel to California. I was going to say Ohio. I don't know why I was going to say Ohio. The mountains. The, the, the raging nightclub scene in Ohio. <laughs> yeah. So they travel to a nightclub somewhere, somewhere in an old torn out warehouse and John Travolta meets Hugh Jackman when the the madness met the mania when, you know, it's the scene from fucking The Departed where Matt Damon's on one end of the phone and Leo's on the other. I, I thought I had it written later down in my notes because I, I didn't pick it up right away. But this is basically a movie about smarts versus cool. Mm-hmm. Jackman is the hacker. He's the smarts. Uh, Travolta is all cool. By now in his career... Uh, He's done so much to cultivate this persona of coolness that all he has to do is show up. Yep. Uh, and really, yeah, you're right. This is not a Travolta vehicle. It's on the page. This character, this bad guy, must have felt just as superficial, as two-dimensional as you could get. Yeah. Thank you, Skip Woods. But then the genius of casting Travolta is that he brings his Travolta persona there. And then all you, I mean, here he's just, he's basically letting the hairstyling and the costuming do the hard work. Yeah. And he just sits back and it's like, I'm John Travolta. What, what are you going to do? Yeah. But, but I mean, how it's many like actors can pull that Locos off? It's like the Taco. Like the outer shell's doing all the work. The inside isn't really what matters here. It's a hell of a shell. We've dedicated a whole summer to it. <laughs> On the other hand, I mean, you have Jackman. Jackman has to do the work. Mm-hmm. We don't really know him at this point in history. I'm pretty sure we could do, a, when we do the wrap-up, when we do the Travolti's episode, uh-huh. we can rank his performances based on an item from the Taco Bell menu. <laughs> so what's Blowout it? would be like a five-layer burrito where it's just a bland exterior, but the internal emotions and you know the contents of it are so vast. So... Would Pulp Fiction be like the nachos? Because you have like all that shit in there. Yeah. It's all those elements mixed. There's so many twists and turns. And like, you know, there's the one that you forgot about that you you were supposed to start with. And then you go back and rewind. 
and Battlefield Earth would be just what do we regret the most yeah, <laughs> getting a Taco Bell? It's the Baja Blast <laughs> of the Travolta filmography. I can't wait for we get our feedback of someone defending Mountain Dew Baja Blast. Okay, so Travolta in this movie, finally getting to it. He, we, we've had Danny Zuko. We've had... Uh, now, why am I completely blanking on Sean Archer. Like Sean Archer. Um, the wildly racist man from Saturday Night Fever. <laughs> And here we have Gabriel Shear. I'm not quite sure if there's a better 2001 bad guy name. Well, pre-September 11th bad oh. guy name. Uh, quick side note, and it's probably for the best this didn't happen. This came out in June or July. Uh, I'll go over that when we get to Real Talk. But the original ending was like a shootout at the airport and like a plane crash. So probably for the best it didn't end that way, given its timing and all that. So... Gabriel Shear explains to Stanley Jobson that he needs an expert hacker. He's trying to basically siphon uh, an amount of money that the government has in these illegal funds away from them. He works for, I can't remember the name of it, it's not the 13 Club, or the Crazy Eights, what were they called in basic? <laughs> Was it the Crazy, no, that's not the Crazy, the Spectacular Eight? <laughs> the Wild Bunch? There you go. Uh, the A-Team, it's Skip Woods, come on. That's true. Uh, here it's Black Ops or Black Cell or something like that. It's a underground group that uh, aids in government corruption, illegal funds. Basically, Travolta wants to siphon $9.5 billion, and he's calling the project Hydra. Uh, and he knows that Hugh Jackman can help him out with this. He offers to pay Hugh Jackman $10. He, get, he interviews him for the position in one of the more fascinating ways I've ever seen put to film. Dude, this is just – this alone is worth the price of admission. This, this sequence – Tarantino shit his pants when he saw this. He, <laughs> yeah. he saw how high the stakes were raised. Yeah, this is never seen it before, never seen it since kind of shit. It's a one and only. So he, he puts a computer in front of him and tells him, uh, I need you to do this, and most hackers would take – 60 minutes. 60 minutes. You know, 60 I, seconds. I need it done in 60 seconds. Uh, but not just that. I'm going to point a gun at you. Unsung hero of the film, Vinnie Jones points a gun. <laughs> the juggernaut. Vinnie Jones. In the first of many – tooth Tony. Yeah, uh, the juggernaut. It's the juggernaut pointing a gun at Wolverine. doesn't make any sense in the Marvel Universe, but here <laughs> in this movie it does. Uh Points and then, a gun at him, and then, and then the coup de grace. Yeah, the, what really makes it memorable? Yes, the what the the proverbial cherry on the Sunday. Uh, just one of the women that works for Travolta starts filleting Wolverine. <laughs> just, I don't. I mean, they hold and him. He says, "Victor." <laughs> they they hold him down so he you know so he doesn't resist at first, but then they let him go so he can hack while he's getting a blowjob mm-hmm. while Vinnie Jones is pointing the gun at him. And it's one it's of a high pressure situation. You're forgetting the most intense part. Travolta is making uninterrupted <laughs> eye contact with him the entire time, and and we get the occasional cut to Halle Berry just kind of like nodding, like nodding Ooh. in approval. I, I, that's what I would do. The yes. janitor from Rudy, she's just <laughs> nodding and clapping on Wolverine at the end there. Yeah, Travolta's doing the countdown mm-hmm. uh, from sixty seconds down. Uh, I mean, you would talk about a high-pressure situation, high stakes. The implication is that when he gets to zero, if he hasn't finished hacking, what happens? Does he get shot? Does the blowjob end? Prematurely. <laughs> does, he, does he get – no, does he get, you know, interrupt us and, and – You know, man, when Travolta – you want to have a good-looking hog if Travolta is <laughs> looking at you. So it's the type of thing of 
I mean, he wants to do this job. He wants to live, but I think his more of his man pride is on the line here. Right. But Travolta kind of eyes him and gives him the, the the pouted bottom lip and shakes his head. Yeah, it's uh, it the first of many instances of Hugh Jackman doing great, great acting work with with very little in the in the way of props. You know he what I mean? He certainly like, went to the Michael Keaton school of face. Uh, <laughs> Of like literal emojis making his face, <laughs> right? Because I mean, unless Dominic Senna is just uh, a way stranger filmmaker than I think he is, mm-hmm. it's not like Jackman is actually getting blown under the table. So that's all on no, him. This isn't a Lars von Trier joint, <laughs> exactly. So he's just he's actually making all this up. Yeah, and much like every other shot of Jackman in any scene of distress in this, there's a slight glisten to him. I'm pretty sure they had a spray bottle of some sort. They were just hosing him down in between takes. But all of this leads to, of course, Hugh Jackman is successful in his hacking, and I, I guess this is the start of a beautiful relationship. We never, we never find out what exactly happened down there, though. My yeah. notes say, Stan takes gunpoint blowy test <laughs> and is offered $10 million. So many conflicting emotions if I was Jackman. Introducing next... Uh, the role stolen from Terrence Howard once again. Don Cheadle is the lead FBI agent on the case, the one who's tracking all this. Uh, they, the FBI, being they, become aware of this starting startlingly quick. Uh, well, they have they have the original hacker, right? The guy that got caught at the airport. Correct. He uh, works for Gabriel. And then they drop the ball. <laughs> Cheadle falls for the oldest trick in the book. Hey, I heard you called me. <laughs> And we couldn't figure out the guy's name, and it's really not worth it to look it up, but the boss from Fight Club. Yes, who apparently is just typecast as an asshole. Yes, and he just, like, why does he even work there? He hates it, clearly. <laughs> but uh, long story short, Vinnie Jones breaks into the, the precinct, shoots the hacker in the head, shoots his lawyer dead as well. Because they said they would give all the details on Gabe. Right. Cheadle finally breaks him, and then he gets a phone call, steps out of the room, leaves him unguarded, Vinnie Jones kills him. Yeah. That level of... Vinnie Jones, like, in essence, he could have ding-dong ditched and had the same effect. <laughs> Don Cheadle's like, man, who's knocking at my door? Uh, Don Cheadle's like, Stu? Who's Stu? <laughs> Stupid idiot. <laughs> Hell no, my refrigerator ain't running. Uh, Don Cheadle, uh, the lead FBI agent. Um, the case they're following, Gabriel, and everything that's going on, and Cheadle sees Hugh Jackman's following him around. Oh, yeah, they get, like, those drone pictures. Yes. That took that pictures of the movie. Are really just MS Paint <laughs> renderings of screenshots of the film from 20 minutes prior. I, I love me some ingenuity. Yeah. <laughs> it, they don't even match what they're... I digress. Uh, he's familiar with Stanley Jobson. He was the one who apprehended him for his previous hacking uh, misfortunes and wrongdoings. Uh, so... He sees this. It's kind of one of those Jesus Christ, that's Jason Bourne type moments. Of He sees not only Jobson and Gabriel working together, but he sees Hugh Jackman and John Travolta on his screen at the same time. I, FBI or not, even if you don't know who the characters are, just seeing those two hunks on the screen, that's enough to make you pay attention and just go like, let's go investigating here. So he's dipping in. He's going to figure out what the hell's going on. Uh, again, uh, Gabriel has named this project Hydra. It's in an attempt to siphon $9.5 billion in illegal government funds. Um, somewhere around this point in time, we're introduced to Sam Shepard's character, Senator, Senator Reisman, who we come to find out 
is a corrupt politician and has some, you know, misdealings with Gabriel's character or Travolta's character, excuse me. That'll come back. Not before we get a senselessly uh, tasteful scene of Halle Berry in the nude sunbathing. Yeah, it's it's one of those things where you're like, don't question it. No. It's it's why do you want to ruin bad uh, good things that happen to you while you're watching a movie, right? It's it, not everything has to have uh, a purpose, like a plot related purpose. Sometimes things are just aesthetically beautiful, and you just want to to preserve that. Yes, on film, it's true. Uh, but I actually it does have a plot purpose. We just we haven't gotten to the reveal yet. It happens later in the movie. So Hugh Jackman comes out, finds uh, Halle Berry sunbathing, topless, asks to borrow her car so he can go visit his daughter. Yeah, it's pretty classy too. She's covering, she's reading a magazine, which oh, it's a book. Yeah. She's, her character's an intelligent one. She's reading a novel. It's, it's War and Peace. It's actually the novel adaptation of the Notebook. All right, shit, that wouldn't have been out yet. <laughs> It's a book called Swordfish. Uh, Jackman visits his daughter, 10-year-old girl, who we get this really melancholy shot of her outside of her school waiting for her mom to pick her up, and her mom doesn't come. The only shot we really get of her mom is an establishing shot of her being a raging alcoholic. Yeah, well, there's like that early scene where she's on the phone with Jackman, and she's just basically, basically saying, uh, my husband makes adult films. Mm-hmm. They're not porn. Ah. <laughs> and then he's like, I can't believe the government won't give me custody. <laughs> Uh, he was followed, he was tailed, as they say, by the FBI to his daughter's visit. Uh, he takes his daughter home, notices he's being tailed, and then we get, uh, not to make two Bourne references, but it's a Jason Bourne type scene. He puts it in reverse, takes off the car door, jumps up, he's doing spin kicks, back elbows. Cheadle and his two other FBI guys. They were guys. not ready for this fight. Oh yeah, no, they they were, I mean, now I think anybody chasing uh, Hugh Jackman in the year 2018, they kind of know that they have their work cut out for them. <laughs> but back in 2001, they had no idea what they had coming. No. Like Jackman, he just jumps off a ravine. <laughs> well, and then we get an homage to uh, another political thriller that we covered in Black Sheep, where it's just this endless fall where, you know, you would think it's almost to the point of comedic effect, but I think it's just to stress. You know, the descent into madness that oh, yeah. Hugh Jackman's going through. Yeah, the movie's about to kick into into just the craziest thing. So We raised sense. the stakes so high that we gotta fall back down to rebuild what's going on. Um back at the Travolta compound, it's never really explained why everyone lives there, but it's just it's like a hangout it's like the house from Knocked Up where everyone lives. I was thinking of uh, uh, the house in the social network. Because you know you have all the coders there. Yeah. The, there's all the computers. And Travolta tries to zip line off the the chimney and pulls it down. Uh, oh my god! Oh my god! Not the chimney! And then just ninety nine Justin Timberlake's hanging in the background with his braces. Uh, Hugh, we like we go from him just walking away from the FBI to him walking in on Halle Berry changing. So the previous shot, we saw her almost completely nude. Here, she's at least in her negligee. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. But that's that's the whole point here, because the big reveal is that... She's got she, a wire on. She's got a wire. And so she's actually a government agent. The she, DEA. She's DEA. And then now it all clicks. Mm-hmm. I, I really appreciated that you don't really get to see government agents use their sexuality as part of their job, but I'm sure it happens. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not all... Uh, uh, shootouts and and just psychological mind games. I think that sometimes 
being undercover means that you have to show some skin. Yeah, it, I, it, I think we really could have benefited from more of a sexualized version of Tommy Lee Jones and No Country for Old Men. <laughs> you know, that could have saved some lives if yes. he had just shown some nip. Josh Brolin may still be alive. <laughs> yep. Uh, but yeah, I you know, so now you get it. She is obviously a smart woman who knows what her assets are, and she's like, if I need to to get some leverage, get 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 some advantage uh, on a man, I'll show my boobs. Mm-hmm. That's that's what the movie does to the audience, and that's what her character does to Jackman and Travolta because she she smooches with him a couple times. Obviously, has him wrapped around her finger. Yeah, she she knows what she's got and how to use it. Uh, but she does admit to uh, Stan that she is in the DEA and that she it's basically an undercover operation that she's working with. Uh, Stan, Hugh Jackman, notoriously great guy that he is, he, he decides to keep the secret for her. Uh, Sam Shepard, the aforementioned uh, Senator Reisman, who oversees Travolta's operation as he profits from it, um, gets wind from the FBI of the investigation that's going on with them. Or not from the FBI, but from his advisor or right. his second in command. I think the chain goes, Cheadle didn't arrest Jackman, but followed him mm-hmm. to the compound. And then he took pictures of Travolta and everybody else hanging out. Yeah. And then those pictures went up into the cloud. <laughs> and the senator's aide downloaded them from the cloud and showed them to the senator. Yes. And then the senator... Closed the loop by emailing him. They were uploaded uh, on Napster. Uh, yes, <laughs> and then Travolta downloaded them. Yeah, and uh, and yeah, that's so. Then <laughs> so Sam Shepard basically calls and scorns John Travolta. Right? How dare you allow yourself to be photographed? And he tells him to stop. He's like, you need to back off. This this shit ain't worth it. But as we know about Gabriel Shear, he's not one to to say die. We know that about Shear. We know that about Travolta. He's not going to give up halfway through the movie. Much like Shear, Travolta, they're the same person in the sense that this is all driven by an overwhelming sense of patriotism. <laughs> well, yeah. I mean, that is really like the underlying message of the movie. Um, underneath all the explosions and the boobs and the, and the hot Hugh Jackmans, there is very pointed criticism at the way the American government does – a lot of things, starting from the fact that they allow that they they'll take Jackman's daughter away from him and just let a, a, a porn king raise her. Yeah. In a really, it's not like oh, this is this is uh, Bo Reynolds in in uh, Boogie Nights. This is not the wholesome family man that happens to make porn. This is a guy that probably shoots porn in his house. Mm-hmm. So, not not the best parenting uh, skills there, but also. When Cheadle is talking to Jackman about how he busted him, Jackman is like, well, I cracked – he attacked the government. He he hacked into the government database to prove that the government was spying on American citizens. Yeah. So Jackman is not really a criminal. I mean, yes, in the sense of looking at the law, he is. But yeah. he's, also, he's also a hero. And then Travolta's ultimate goal here is to use that money that he wants to steal from the government to fight international terrorists uh, – Undergrounds, like really the way that the U.S. way back then was too pussy to do. Not anymore, thankfully. <laughs> so, yeah, it's swordfish, way ahead of their time. <laughs> uh, we get whatever the exact opposite of the scene in Clockwork Orange where Malcolm McDowell's eyes are held open and he's watching all this torture porn. 
we whatever the opposite of that is, it's this. It's this montage of Hugh Jackman looking at the screens uh, while he's hacking. He's smoking cigarettes, drinking, having the time of his life, blaring the techno music. But the way the light glistens off his eyes, there's a, there's a nice shimmer to his forehead. He's talking to himself. He is. He's spinning on the on the chair. I think there this should is like be... an extended version of that GIF that everyone uses of Antonio Banderas, where he just puts his <laughs> his hand to his mouth. This is. <laughs> This is just too long to fit into one GIF. It would be like a 60-second GIF. Yeah, there's a, uh, there should be a new category for awards. Maybe not the Oscars because they three hours is too long, but maybe for the Golden Globes or something, which should be just best montage acting. Mm-hmm. And, and Jackman would just nail it in, in the year 20, 2001. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Or I guess it would have been 2002, 2002. was the award season. Yeah, So because he's just... You have to keep in mind, there's no way, one, he's not a hacker, two, he's not even, those computers are probably not even plugged in. No. This is all in his head. He's imagining all this, and we're, when you watch the movie, it looks like he it's knows like what he's Cruise doing. He's cocktail behind the bar. <laughs> yeah. You know he doesn't know what the fuck he's doing, but he looks good at it. Hey, that's, that's acting. Uh, talk about a hard left. He goes down to get some more wine, and he just stumbles across Travolta's corpse. It's uh, unexpected, to say the least. <laughs> It's it's a double whammy because so he sees Travolta. <laughs> I can't even like say it with a straight face. <laughs> it's like the Tracy Morgan sex doll from Thirty Rock. The way it's just like laying there, looking up with its arms. Yeah, it's, is it like a like a see through freezer? Like <laughs> I don't know. But yeah, so he sees the body and then he runs spooked, and then he runs into Travolta alive and well. And Travolta says, "You look like you've seen a ghost." Let's go for a ride. Let's go for a ride. And then the movie has the balls to not address what just happened no. until the very, very end. And then another hard left. They're, ha- the, they're just going for a ride in Travolta's sexy sports car. And then they're being followed. We don't really know by who. But Travolta says, take the wheel. And then he's got, like, a cachet of guns that would make fucking David Koresh come in his pants. Like, he starts taking these guns out and shooting these cars. They stop. He has, like, an automatic machine gun or a semi-automatic machine gun in the back of the car. And then he kills, like, eight people in the span of, like, 30 seconds. It's an amazing car chase, a hell of a firefight. And the entire time, you're like, okay, it was the build-up the build was worth it. Because, like we said, it's not like Travolta got much to do other than stand back and look cool. Up until this point, this was, like, a futuristic – not even futuristic. It was, like – of the time, it's kind of like the net, but here it turns into an all-out action movie out of nowhere, right? Because they know that I think this movie's mission statement is keep them surprised. Don't let keep them, them get com- don't let them get comfortable. Don't let them start to question why we just saw Travolta's <laughs> corpse or Halle Berry's boobs. Yes, the the Travolta sex doll equally as appealing as <laughs> Halle Berry's body. Uh, yeah, Travolta has a lot of guns, but he figures out here that this was Sam Shepard's doing. Senator Reisman sent these men because obviously Travolta isn't going to listen. So when an old dog doesn't listen, you got to put him down. Well, unfortunately for Shepard, he failed at that. So he catches Sam Shepard fly fishing wherever. This might have been where you got Ohio. And just so you know, there are no mountains in Ohio. <laughs> But on the way to Ohio, you probably fly past some mountains. Okay. I'll let Julio believe that. I think he's been to Texas and California. Um, 
so he gives him a big spiel about being a patriot, and then while I mean this scene also, it's like Travolta is white Morpheus here. He's got like this long trench coat on and a bucket cap. It's like a LL Cool J Kango hat, and he's wearing it backwards. He he turns the cool up even even higher. Yeah, this was you want to talk about ahead of its time. But he takes out this big gun and just shoots Sam Shepard. Sam Shepard dead. Excuse me. Uh, the best part of this is he's telling a story about you know Thomas Jefferson once shot someone on the White House lawn for treason, and Sam Shepard's like, now wait just a damn minute, Thomas Jefferson, and then gets shot. He doesn't even get to finish his argument. Uh, like, oh, it's like a fake news. Jefferson never oh, shot him. Ho, 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 ho. And then we go back to the beginning. This is where we commence the beginning of the film. Right. Because they need to go to this World Bank, titled World Bank, to have access to these funds so Hugh Jackman can siphon them all off. While they're doing so, though, they take everyone in their hostage. Right, and they, they strap those bombs to mm-hmm. to everyone. And uh, and then, oh, yeah, so the missing link is, I was like, how did we, what happened with Jackman? So what happens is he he panics once he realizes that Travolta, <laughs> that Travolta is a bad guy. Because so far he, he didn't have enough hints about that. Yes. <laughs> he he unplugs the lights and and takes off. Yeah, okay, so... Yeah, he sees his, like, anti-terrorist squadron unit, and, uh, yeah, he basically just tries to literally pull the plug on the operation, which right. doesn't work. And then he takes off to go check on his daughter and his wife, and his wife and her new husband are murdered, and the daughter's been kidnapped. Right, yeah. The- and then he reaches into his coat pocket and finds Don Cheadle's card. <laughs> says FBI agent slash badass MC slash war machine. So he calls him... Slash not Terrence Howard. <laughs> not Terrence Howard, man. Uh, did you see the Aquaman poster? I oh, the poster, yes. I haven't seen the trailer yet. No, Aquaman. Someone did Aquaman, and it's <laughs> Terrence Howard's face over him, and he's got a bottle of Hennessy. Because that's the joke with Terrence Howard. Hey, man. Right. Yes, yeah, so that's how we get to where we're at. Uh, right. Because he, he was trying to flee. But they have his daughter, so he so, comes back. So he comes back. But not before calling Cheadle. So Don Cheadle and the asshole boss from Fight Club are on the other side of the street trying to figure out what the fuck to do. We cut there after the explosions happen. So yes. it's Bedlam. And they have the daughter, and they show him the daughter, and they basically give her back upon him correctly hacking the database and having those funds siphoned. Yeah, and uh, but so, so Travolta... Not, be- not before. Uh, our, our one missing link of where the hell did Halle Berry go in this movie? <laughs> uh, before that question is answered, though... Travolta gets on the phone, and I just had to mention this because it might be it might be my favorite scene in the movie. He just gets on the phone, calls on Cheadle, and just tells him off. Tells him, "This is your fault. Yeah. I did not want to blow anybody up, but because you had to interfere, now there's all those people dead, and I will do it again." Yeah, he's just basically he's not fucking around. Clint Eastwood at the end of Unforgiven. He he got on Twitter and he just went all caps. Jesus. <laughs> Do not mess with me. Do not mess with Travolta. And then, as if to prove the point to Jackman, he lowers Halle Berry. Oh, no, he doesn't lower. That's what you said was going to happen. <laughs> yeah, lower in like a shark cage or something. No, she comes in. She, they have her hostage. Then Vinnie Jones ties, uh, questionably, uh, basically hangs her, ties a metal wire around her, uh, her neck, and it's on the back of a truck and begins cranking it. And this is, of course, to call back to the the opening where he has 60 seconds to do it because that's how long Travolta... Yeah, this time not as pleasurable as... No. Like, nobody's blowing him. He surmises that she has sec- 60 seconds to live while being hung. So, of course, he accomplishes it. 
Uh, he the transactions accepted. Once they let her down, Travolta just shoots her in the chest, point blank range, and says she was DEA Stan. And then we have that Hugh Jackman, like when Professor X got it and Logan, he's just looking around like, "What do I do now?" It wasn't me. <laughs> he looked her. He pushed her hair aside. It wasn't me. It wasn't me. Uh, so he enters it correctly. They give him back his daughter. They attempt to flee. Uh, and then the hacking is reversed immediately. Yeah, he, I think he, he said did. something like he tried to time it for six hours from them, but it went off right at that moment. Yeah, he did He did some hacker trick where now instead of having access to the money, now Travolta will never have access to the money unless Hugh Jackman breaks the code or something. But the good news is his daughter got away. Yeah, they, they managed. Vinnie Jones, completely incompetent, <laughs> can't stop a six-year-old from running away. I don't even think he has a single fucking word in this movie. Uh so Hugh Jackman becomes a part of the uh, hostages that they have for this. Travolta's requesting they have a plane for, ready for him at the airport. He's going to flee the country. So they pile all these hostages in this big van, or it's a bus, rather. They have them all strapped with these vests to go off. They begin driving. Uh, the FBI is following them to the airport. They Another hard right. They have this whole rig set up to where this plane's going to pick up the bus and take them airborne. Uh, it's pretty amazing. Some That's, GTA Five shit going on. <laughs> I was thinking Fast and the Furious, but I guess either one works. It's just because this is better than either of those. Mm-hmm. It's just it's not just that it comes out of nowhere. It's it's also that it it makes perfect sense once once it happens. You know, Travolta has played. He's planned this. Yeah, he's been ten steps ahead of everybody. And, of course, when it looks like the car chase is, is coming to an end, he just turns it into an airborne chase. Mm-hmm. And it's amazing. Yeah. This airborne chase goes throughout the city. They're knocking into buildings. The bus, at one point, turns vertically, so everyone's holding on. Vinnie Jones dies a la Bane and Dark Knight Rises, just kind of inconsequentially. Um, and they park the bus on top of this building. And this is basically just the part where I think they disarm all the hostages. Yes, because Travolta is not really evil. He's no. just trying to force a conversation that needs to be had. It's just nobody's interested in listening. His thing is he believes in doing what needs to be done for the greater good. Right. He tells Jackman, if you could kill one person to save a million, would you do it? And Jackman is like, no, because I'm a vanilla, boring hero. I'm an X-Men. No, I wouldn't. And Travolta's like, well... I would, <laughs> as proven by everything that's happened in this movie. Uh, so, Travolta, it's time for him to leave with his remaining henchmen. They get in a the helicopter, they take off, flying off into the sunset, literally and figuratively. Uh, fortunately, Hugh Jackman's just able to locate a rocket launcher that's laying around, and he shoots down the helicopter. Because and... hackers can have more than one skill. Yes, He exactly. could be a great shot. And he is. Yeah. And... All is well and good. We go to the coroner's office, and the body of Travolta is identified. Um, it's pretty gnarly, uh, a pretty gnarly visual. It the- looks like Carrie Russell at the beginning of Mission Impossible 3, <laughs> but a bit more covered in soot. And as Jackman's getting ready to walk away, he remembers back to the Travolta sex doll. And the speech that Travolta gave about you know, fucking Houdini or whatever being his hero because of the misdirection. Yeah. Uh, and then he has he also has a flashback to something Halle Berry said that doesn't make any sense though. No, I think he just he was just remembering Halle Berry. At this point, he reali- he realizes that Travolta got away. That, yeah, uh, Gabriel Shear outsmarted everyone, and 
he's gotten away with it. Um, this is what I would have called before the summer of Travolta. This is what you would call uh, the usual suspects moment, I guess. But now we have to call it the basic moment <laughs> because it really is. You get the the quick flashes. Do everything that makes sense. That you get the shot of Giovanni Ribisi vomiting <laughs> blood. Uh, yeah, it, it's it recontextualizes the entire movie. It's not that Hugh Jackman happened to find a rocket launcher. Mm-hmm. Is that Travolta left the rocket launcher there so that Jackman would shoot the helicopter and it would look like he was he dead. He played everybody. He, he planned everything. Obviously, he didn't kill Halle Berry. No. Uh, as proven by the last scene of the movie. Yes, when we have Halle Berry and her uh, Rihanna wig, or whatever you want to call it, long red hair, uh, she goes and transfers. She knows where all the funds went, and she transfers them out of that using the password swordfish uh-huh, ah. into a, some other type of fund. And... We get the highlight of the film, which is Silver Fox Travolta. He's since uh, removed the soul patch and the the long Snape hair, and he now has a he's aged gracefully, as you said. Yep, a lovely head of silver hair. Yeah, he aged gracefully post twist. <laughs> it, it's it's a welcome sight because as fun as it was to see him running around looking all like early two thousands, mm-hmm. it felt a little bit like a grown man. Yeah playing at being younger, and uh, it it was kind of a relief to find out that that was part of the plan. Mm -hmm. I'm going to look as ridiculous as possible so that when they're looking for me, they would never think that I would look like a normal dude that just went gray. And I got my white suit at the end. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, I think the last thing we hear is that a a terrorist leader was killed that day and you know by they don't know how or where and that type of thing. But we know. Yeah. We know that Travolta, our dark protector, is out there with all that money. He's out there doing God's work. And we also get a closing shot of Hugh Jackman and his daughter, you know, living happily ever after. So, in the end, everyone made out pretty good except for Vinnie Jones and Sam Shepard. Uh, I mean, I would imagine Don Cheadle didn't get any promotions out of this. <laughs> that would be a pretty frustrating role for him to have. But uh, that was Swordfish. That was Swordfish. It's a, it's a movie. It's a movie from the early 2000s. And that's all I have. <laughs> That's all I have to say about that. <laughs> That's exactly how I feel right now. <laughs> all right, let's move on to real talk. All right. Now, I have been told that the best crackers in the world can do this in 60 minutes. Unfortunately, I need someone who can do it in 60 seconds. You're kidding. Right not. Go. Get up. Get up. 55. Get on with it. What the hell is this? Time's a wasting, big guy. Oh, Jesus. 45 seconds. Oh. Oh, she's good, isn't she? More time. Come on, Stan. 20. 19. <clears throat> 15. 
10, 9, You gotta die. No, 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 wait, wait! <laughs> I was just, just fucking with you, Stan. And we are recording for Real Talk. That we are for Project Swordfish, Operation Swordfish. Or as the Criterion Collection calls it, simply Swordfish. John Travolta's Swordfish. What a movie. Hey. It's it's somehow only an hour and 39 minutes long. It's it, I think it's a worthwhile experience for those of you interested in the early 2000s and its depiction of uh, hacker culture. If you ever want to know what happens when someone watches The Matrix and thinks they can make something like that, this is kind of... I mean, clearly... <laughs> Have like most action movies were at that point in time, but just way too hard of an attempt to be like the Matrix. Uh, let's get the semantics out of the way first. So again, twenty six percent on Rotten Tomatoes. It's a bit generous. Was released on June eighth, two thousand one. A budget of one hundred and two million, which with the players involved makes a lot of sense. Uh, box office return of one hundred and about one hundred forty five million around that area. Uh, again, directed by Dominic Senna, uh, known for such uh, classics as Gone in 60 Seconds, Whiteout, and Season of the Witch. Whiteout is one of the worst movies I've ever seen in the movie theater. I was on a date for that. And the lovely young lady I took on that was very attractive, and I was doing my best, but God, that was fucking terrible. Who's in it? Uh, Underworld. What's her name? Kate Beckinsale? Yeah. Okay. Oh, man. It's real bad. <laughs> Uh, again, written by Skip Woods, who wrote one of the best movies of the 2010s. And uh, Hugh Jackman, John Travolta, Halle Berry. Of course, John Travolta, the man of the hour. The reason we're all here. Uh, the bit of trivia that I found in this that was the most interesting. Uh, I've read some excerpts from Trolls' interviews about this. Uh -huh. and much like Battlefield Earth, he was like all in. He thought like this was going to be it. Oh, this is interesting. Uh, the film was withdrawn from cinema shortly after the terrorist attack on New York City and Washington, D.C. on September 11th, 2001, due to a scene involving an exploding building. I guess that, but at that point in time, probably just would have been like in dollar theaters. Yeah. Uh, so are they talking about the building towards the end when they're, I mean, when they one of the hostages falls and. Yeah, they seemingly fly something into a building. Um, the bus crashes yeah, into a building at which, some point. To be completely fair, there's no way that could have been foreseen. Uh, this blew my mind, because when we watched that opening shot, I was like, eh. I thought it was just like 2001 CGI. Uh-huh. No, which I, I'm going to go back and rewatch that opening sequence again just for this. Uh, the film opens with one of the most spectacular explosions ever committed to screen. In the shooting screenplay, however, all it said was, the SWAT guys dragged the hostage away from the bank and kaboom. What you... <laughs> Skip what, Woods has a way with words. What you see in the film was shot over the period of two days with 203 still cameras and cost $90,000. No CGI was used. That's crazy. That's that's impressive. Way too much effort for this movie. It's a good opening. It is. Th that you can't argue. No, no, no. It is. Like I was like, okay, we're on to something here. <laughs> um, Man. 
again, I had never seen this. Uh, I had never really heard much about it either way. And when I asked Julio, I was like, is this rotten or fresh? He's like, ooh, rotten. <laughs> so uh, had you seen this previously? Yes, I saw it in theaters. Oh, God bless you. Well, other people Let's, did as well. So yeah, who were the ones so, that liked it? Some people liked it. Um, starting with Luke White Thompson from New Times, who says, yes, producer Joel Silver is back in fine form with a glorious orgy of destruction. I mean, clearly this movie was made for this guy. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> you like it, you like them explosions? You like you like to drop the word orgy in your <laughs> one-line reviews? Uh, Glenn Lovell from San Jose Mercury News says, "It's the adrenaline rush of the year." That quote goes on the on the DVD case. Yep. Uh, Cornell and Petricelli from cinemasense.com say the most mesmerizing and refreshing action film of the last three years. Can't be. I refuse to believe that. The, the Matrix came out in the previous three years. <laughs> Road Trip came out in the previous three years, and I'll qualify that as more of an action movie than this. Uh, Prairie Miller from WBAY Web Radio says... Flaunting his bad guy talents ever since his Pulp Fiction comeback, Travolta streamlines that pathological persona as an online-obsessed virtual one-man crime wave. God bless. I don't think that describes his character here, though. He's not online-obsessed. I don't know what describes his character in this movie. <laughs> it's all about the look there. Uh, Broken John Travolta. With his... <laughs> John Travolta in, in debt. Um <laughs> uh, Andrew Manning from Radio Free Entertainment says, boasts one of the most impressive scenes of utter destruction in cinematic history to date. I'd pump the brakes a little bit, but yeah, like we talked about, <laughs> I mean, it's a good opening. Yeah. And finally, Philip Booth from Orlando Weekly says, Travolta is back on his game again as Gabriel, a dark angel of destruction. Uh, that was Michael, <laughs> not Swordfish. <laughs> Uh, yeah, so this was on the hot streak of uh, Travolta's 2000s, man. He was he was tearing the world apart at this point. Uh, yeah, this movie's not good. <laughs> so, I mean, so you didn't know anything about it, but you knew that this was the Halle Berry movie. I was about to say, I had Kazalite as a teenager. <laughs> I, knew, uh, I knew a scene from this movie, but outside of that, yeah, I didn't. Uh, since we brought it up, let's go ahead and just talk about that scene and how fucking pointless it is and it how is. kind of insulting i honestly i feel bad for Halle Berry in this movie up to a point because at the same time i'm like you signed up for this mm -hmm. what the hell you read the script right that's yeah. uh i mean they made money out of it i'm yeah. sure everybody got handsomely paid next year yeah uh, so whatever but at the same time <laughs> yeah shockingly enough this this did not really damage her career <laughs> Should go to tell you how bad Catwoman is. Um, yeah, we'll get to Catwoman someday. Oof. Oh, buddy. Uh, yeah, I think, like you said, we were watching it, and I mean, she obviously uh, not trying to act like discrediting how attractive she is, and like as, as still the like when I was fourteen or fifteen when I saw this scene for the first time, it's like hell yeah, but uh, yeah, at the same time, it's like. There's no point to it. Right, there isn't. It's just the little point of that scene is let's look at Halle Berry's boobs. Because there's not even – you can't even make the argument that she used her sexuality to blind Hugh Jackman or – Yeah, it's nothing. He It's he, really just Travolta's sex doll that throws him a loop. So it's – yeah. and like Yeah, the, there, there's nothing he does in the movie that really is linked to him being attracted to Halle Berry. No. 
it's just they have some sexual tension, but it doesn't really affect the plot one way or the other. He basically acts like any guy would act in that situation. He's like, oh, right. Even if girl. he even if he was not attracted to her, he would still feel the pressure when she's hanging. Mm-hmm. You know, by when Vinnie Jones is murdering yeah. her, he would still crack the code or whatever. So yeah, it, that that doesn't play into it. And like in the end, she's just still with Travolta. I don't know. It, I did have a chuckle to myself with. Not trying to get too political or anything, but the hypersensitivities of a lot of people right now. Do you remember uh, the fit people threw with Ava Green in Star Trek Into Darkness? Oh, yeah. Like, yeah, imagine yeah, yeah. if this movie came out tomorrow. Dude. Oh, yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. So. That's, even though there are probably not as many uh, ogling shots of Hugh Jackman, but they're there. Yeah. He's still shirtless, yeah. flexing being super attractive. I mean, this is a movie of attractive people yeah. flaunting their looks everywhere. The, yeah, the whole the whole movie's supposed to be salacious and sexy. And yeah, like, yeah, yeah. I mean, that's... Cutting edge. Yeah, that, that dude, that blowjob scene. <laughs> yeah, that... Did they really think that was anything but ridiculous? <laughs> I, I don't know. I that mean, seems I guess, like something you would see in like a De Palma film or something like that. Right. But De Palma would have it scored to where it just sounded like something. <laughs> the, the, let's talk about that, too. What the fuck is the score to this That movie? is true, yes. At one point, it does go Star Wars, right? Yeah. It's, uh... <laughs> uh, it's like the, fuck, what does it do? Like, something like that. It's... <laughs> when Jackman cracks the code, he goes, dun 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 Yeah, that makes no sense. It sounded like they did it in like with two weeks before the release. They just had fucking someone with a synthesizer in the studio. Just they they run out of legit techno mm-hmm. and they just had to make up their own. Yeah. And then, then they got in trouble. Um, yeah. Halle Berry, I've always found her to be a good actress. Yeah, she's really pretty, but there's no way to read the script and think like, oh, the, my character is noble. Um, there's anything I can bring to this part. Mm-hmm. I mean, I guess the closest she gets... That part is just, it's a Bond girl. Right. It's pretty woman A. Yeah, she has that, that one moment earlier in the movie when she first meets Jackman where you think that she's... Uh, okay, she's like the second in command and mm-hmm. she's she's going to be manipulating him or whatever, but it goes it goes away really quickly. Yeah. Once she brings him into the operation, that's it. She doesn't really do anything other than sunbathe and... It, <laughs> Not on an not, approval. Yeah, not an approval. Say, don't turn turn me in. Um, and yeah, Hugh Jackman is a young boy in this man. I mean, he's fine. He's got the Michael Keaton eyebrows and everything. <laughs> like with everyone else in this movie, this movie's chocked full of talent, but this movie gives them really nothing to do. Yeah, as a as a Hugh Jackman vehicle, I, I, I mean, I guess he could do worse, but it's not like origins. <laughs> Is worse than this. Oh yeah, yeah. No, but I mean, yeah. Origins does not even get started there. But uh, if you're somebody who only knows him from Wolverine or from X Men, right, and you want to see what else he can do, he's fine. Yeah, you know, he holds his own against everybody else here. It doesn't. He doesn't feel out of place. You never and feel a like a lot of that is because like Travolta could not give literally have cared less about this movie. <laughs> I mean, yeah. Yeah, I mean if Travolta had turned up the charisma, then maybe Jackman would have had to work a little harder for this, but I think bring so okay, finish your thought on Jackman, then we'll bring it to Travolta. Well, I was just going to say that it never while you're watching it, it never feels that the reason the movie is not working is because Hugh Jackman can't carry it. Mm-hmm. You're just thinking 
I wish he had more to do. I wish there was more to the movie than him being confused all the time and not knowing what the hell's going on unless he, he's behind a computer. Him and us both. Like, he'll just disappear in parts of the movie. Halle Berry disappears for, like, right. the entire second act without any explanation. I want the five-hour cut of this movie. <laughs> the Criterion release, yes. Swordfish, with the uh, the recently discovered hour-long conversation with Noah Baumbach and Dominic Zera. <laughs> <laughs> um, so, why we're all here, the man that's brought us together, yes. John Travolta. Yeah. I think I can probably say I was thinking about this when we were watching this because I know this is pretty bold. Out of all the things we've watched, I think this is the one where I could just say there was nothing. like <laughs> Dead he, behind the eyes. Yeah, he wasn't going for it in any aspect. He, you know, look who's talking to. He wasn't clearly, like, pissed off or uncomfortable <laughs> to be in the situation. He's just there. Like, that sex doll of him is him. <laughs> <laughs> it's just... Like this lifeless, just there, gas escaping to deliver his lines type shit. It really, there is more work put into the way he looks than anything else. Mm -hmm. Uh, There's no like backstory to why the way he is. Right. It's it's part part performance because, yes, I agree. I don't think that he is bringing anything particularly interesting to the way he he shows us this character, mm-hmm. right? It doesn't look like he's having any fun. No. It doesn't look like he's feeling Which, man, that anything. wig, I would be having a blast. <laughs> right. I mean, he hams it up in face-off mm-hmm. a lot more than he does here. Yeah. Uh, like you said, pretty much any movie that we've watched. Well, face-off's a monumentally better film yeah. than this. And there's a reason for it. But here, I mean, he's a bad guy. He's a Bond villain. Uh, even better than a Bond villain because this guy has... A philosophy, right? That, it, but it's it it barely resonates in the way that like, he behaves. There, there's so much more. I'm so much more interested in that than Hugh Jackman coding and shit. Right. Like, that's. I mean, that's the Joker in the Dark Knight. We were talking about uh, the Dark Knight recently because the 10th anniversary. But like, a villain that has motives and believes his like in his reasoning and believes that he's in the right. That's 99 percent of the time going to be really fascinating. And they only touch upon this, like, they sprinkle seconds at a time of him, like, talking about his convictions and what he's doing. And... Well, but it's like, it's almost there just to move the plot along. So he, you only it's, hear about it's that. It's there when it's... to make the shit that doesn't make sense kind of make sense. Right. Anytime that he needs Jackman to stick around any longer, he'll unveil a little bit more of his philosophy. Mm-hmm. And it's like, that's cool, but can we make the movie about that then? <laughs> <laughs> Instead of Hugh Jackman coding and, and Halle Berry showing her boobs yeah uh we, we have sam shepherd and he has about four lines in the movie yeah and don Cheadle, wasted i mean vinnie th- jones vinnie jones is awesome vinnie jones is just background thug number five yeah th- and i think that's is he awesome or is just he really good in guy Ritchie movies he's just vinnie jones he defies oh, yeah, adjectives yeah. No, he's, he's uh i think Obviously, it's not all Travolta's fault as far as that character. I mean, clearly, it's him not bringing anything to the character, but then there's also nothing... There's nothing to any of the characters. Right, there's nothing, especially him, uh, uh, which is funny because it really feels like they thought it through when it came to the way he looks. Yeah. Uh, 
That's a great starting point. And they ran out of time. Oh, shit, we got to film this. Um, yeah, I think that's a good point. It's basically just, hey, you know, it'd be cool if the bad guy is John Travolta and he looks like this. Yes. And then they kind of made the rest up as they went along. And like, Holy shit, Travolta said yes. <laughs> if if you didn't have Travolta playing this character, <laughs> did you say Soul Patch? <laughs> I am in. Uh, if he, if Just it wasn't air sealed. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, if it wasn't Travolta playing him, can you imagine how much blander this? How much guy- more forgettable this movie would be? <laughs> yes. Uh, you really, I guess, you come to Swordfish to watch Travolta playing a villain, and you don't get that, but you do get oh, that Hugh Jackman guy. I wish that he was in better movies. That Hugh Jackman's a spicy meatball. <laughs> yes. uh, I think that forgettable is the right word to describe this, and that. Most of the time, it's always, to me, going to be worse than a bad movie. Because like, I said, like, and I've said on this, this is kind of a bad movie, but it's not actively bad. It's bland, which is worse than, like, because if a movie's really bad, a la Basic for Myself and Look Who's Talking for You, uh, it still elicits emotion from you. Yes, this... Not that it's good emotion, but it accomplishes a goal in some aspects. But here's the thing. It should elicit emotions because it, it is, especially now... You know what I mean? It's funny, the movie from 2002, 2001, uh, I mean, it happens. It's even more relevant right now. But when you're talking about Travolta's goal to fight international terrorism on their terms, mm-hmm. how how is it that watching a movie about that leaves me completely <laughs> unmoved yeah. in this day and age? It 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 doesn't feel relevant, about, like, even though it should. corruption. Right. And, yeah. It's just like everything. What, what Travolta does here with this movie is allegedly about it should be a hot button right now Mm -hmm. but it isn't because it's just more about the cool explosions and the and the the set pieces with the cars and which man this movie is just hard left after hard left (laughs) and like um we said jokingly and also off air we're talking about it's not an action movie until like the last half hour and then Travolta takes these guns out and starts shooting people which is fine, but like it's a shift in tone with no preparation and really. If it was successful, then that'll mm-hmm. be great. But it's not really like it becomes a more interesting movie. It does not. <laughs> no. Just, oh, it's a different kind of generic now. Yeah, it's just like okay, why does he have these guns? Um, why is it that I am not super excited when that bus takes into the air? I've seen that kind of stunt before, um, like the Fast and Furious movies. They do like that kind of crazy shit. The A Team, they fly a tank. Exactly. And when it happens, there's this joy to seeing it happen. Right here, it's just perfunctory. You don't really yeah. feel anything. It's life on its side, middle of the road. It's just okay. I, I don't know. I think it's it's one. The beginning is really good, and that kills a lot of the action. Oh, that it just they it. they peaked really yeah. early. And I mean that's the best Travolta moment too. That monologue that he has is the that promises a villain that the movie doesn't deliver, yeah. right? He's talking about movies. He seems very self-aware of the kind of movie he's in, mm-hmm. <laughs> and yet <laughs> I think the thing is too is it starts off with that, and you're like, "Holy shit! I wonder what the fuck happens that gets us to this moment." And oh, it's just computers. <laughs> Yeah, nothing, nothing really. Yeah, you're yeah. right. It's not like we slowly built up to this massive explosion. It's just like the explosion happens. Yeah, if we get there and 
And then even the stuff with like every trope that a successful action movie like you're holding on for, like uh, Ramona Flowers and Live Free or Die Hard type shit. <laughs> like when they had his daughter, it's like okay, they, he's probably gonna get her back. And then you don't even like she just runs out into a whole hail of gunfire, and they don't even follow up on it. But it's all. It's a prime example of what happens when you rely on the same old worn-out cliches but don't put any heart into them or any of the story that goes into that. Again, the A-Team um, or what's a fucking awesome action movie we've done? Face-Off. Face-Off. There you go. It's riddled with cliches and uh, inaccuracies and plot holes right and, and but they figured out a way to put emotion into it i don't know i'm I'm with you it's well i mean the thing is like you care uh because you have those character moments mm-hmm. that define both travolta and cage yeah. right you care about the shootout you care about all the action pieces because you care about them here you don't care about anybody there's no character pieces you just you get a backstory on everybody but no, there's no explanation like why they're that way right the closest you get is is hugh jackman's interaction with his daughter mm-hmm. and it's like i mean there's nothing to their relationship never really explained why him and his wife split up right and- like the ridiculousness of of that situation, I think maybe that's it. The it's, government siding with the porn with star. With the porn star. And it's like, okay, he's a hacker. I understand. He loses custody because he was in prison. But did you really need to, like, amp it up and make it to that, to where his ex-wife and her husband are despicable? Mm-hmm. I mean, wouldn't it be maybe more interesting if the wife is actually a decent human being, but he's still obsessed with getting his daughter back? Uh, Moneyball. Uh, the Brad the Brad Pitt movie, yeah. yeah, yeah. There you go. Obviously, tonally different films, but like <laughs> th- that's what I thought of when you said that. That scene where uh, Jonah Hill has to like explain his algorithm while getting a blowjob. <laughs> Same thing. And then he goes, "Woo!" <laughs> yeah, he talk uh, about a home run. <laughs> Jonah Hill does not have the the emoji the, the, the power that the, the Keaton eyebrows yeah, of uh, Hugh Jackman. I think. Out of all the things we mentioned, that's probably the biggest sin or saddest part of this movie is that Hugh Jackman is the only one that's like going a hundred percent. Yeah, uh, you know what? And I, I, I can't believe it. Don Cheadle's giving it a fair swing. Yeah, Don Cheadle gets introduced as this like loose cannon mm-hmm. FBI agent, right? And then but by then the end, he's just like give a, him whatever they want. Yeah, a neutered agent. <laughs> yeah, uh, the. the I think that part of the problem, and I know it's come up before in other movies we've done that are similar, is that because they have to have that twist at the end, they they just back themselves into that corner of keeping Travolta an enigma, mm-hmm. right? If you're trying to keep him mysterious, then you can't really give him any character moments. Yeah. So for the benefit of the twist, we never really know how he feels about anything. Mm-hmm. Okay, so he's mad that the senator betrayed him, right? But I'm like, how does he feel about the fact that Halle Berry is flirting with Hugh Jackman, right? That should be a big deal. What but is it their isn't. relationship? Right. And it's like, oh, well, you can't tell. You're not supposed to know because there's a reveal that she's an agent. And then later there's a reveal that, no, he it was all fake. It was all part of their big plan. So yeah. for the twist, you sacrifice important character beats that would get you more involved in the story. Yeah. It's like I don't care about the twist. I don't need the twist. You know, it's. I think it's a lot more interesting as if Jackman finds the Travolta sex doll, 
and they have that conversation. It's like, why do you have a, a giant life-size puppet of yourself? Yeah. And Travolta's like, well, let me tell you. And then it's all out in the open. And now we can enjoy the movie. And then, yeah, bigger issue with the ending is like, why was Hugh Jackman just okay with Travolta getting away? He like, in essence, was going to kill his daughter. That's the thing, yeah, because they he one of the few uh, character moments uh, he actually takes the stance. Right, Travolta mm-hmm. tells him, "Would you do this to save more people?" And Jackman says, "No." But then, I guess the ending implies that he's okay if Travolta does it. Well, that should be explored more. That sounds like an mm-hmm. interesting arc for his character to have, to spend the entire movie resisting Travolta's way of doing things. And then his his big climatic moment, character moment, is that he, he finally becomes convinced that, well, no, maybe Travolta's way is the right way. Yeah. But the movie just gives him this really lukewarm ending where he's just like, well, I guess it's out of my hands. <laughs> You got me, Danny. I mean, he was passionate enough to shoot a rocket launcher yeah. to his helicopter. Yeah, and like you said, it's an interesting thing. There's so many more interesting ways to take that of that whole, I I can't do that, but we need people like that in the world. Right. Dude, that, that sentence alone, that just sounds like that would make a great movie. Mm-hmm. It's not there at all. It's yeah. just so... Why not turn to to Cheeto and just say if if he really feels passionate against Travolta? Why not? It's it's easier than shooting a rocket launcher. Just mm-hmm. turn around. And it's like he's still alive, and I'll tell you why. Yeah. And and if he doesn't do that, then show me why. You know. It's a- and also that wasn't a fucking body with a skeleton and blood and <laughs> organs in it. Right. Did he clone himself to Travolta? Is that is that what that was? Even so, why would it just be like <laughs> laying haphazardly in the Bowery with all his old newspapers and beer cans? Like, it, it would need to be in like one of those, like fucking the Dyson Terminator arm. <laughs> you you got to put the two keys in it to get it out. Yeah. He just- <laughs> <laughs> yeah, he just has it. As it's stored under, <laughs> it's under just like shelf. a fucking sack of potatoes with a Travolta head on it. It just probably fell through the air all willy nilly. Oh, dude, is that is he keeping it keeping it in the cellar? Because is it Jackman looking for more wine, and that's when he sees it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So maybe he's keeping it frozen or something. Yeah. I don't know. In between the Chardonnay and the Sauvignon Blanc, <laughs> just a Travolta head, just bland. And I think that's. In a lot of cases, the biggest sin that could be committed in a movie or a show is when it just comes across as, eh. Yeah, big big miss. Especially, I don't know. I mean, obviously, you you had different expectations than me. When I went to see it at the theaters, it's like, oh, this is cool. This is Travolta doing a bad guy. It, the poster looked cool. It's the guy that did Wolverine. And then you, I, I went to see it with my family and... Like, oh boobs. <laughs> it was it was just eh. You just did the Michael Caine from the end of Dark Knight Rises. You trusted me and I failed you. <laughs> yeah. Uh now I mean good things that we can say about this movie, the opening. Vinny Jones? No. I mean he's wasted. Yeah, he, but the, still he's cool. Uh Don Cheadle. Cheadle. Uh, the fact that Hugh Jackman has a business card from Don Cheadle that he calls someone. <laughs> uh about that fall, the never-ending fall. The black sheep. Do you know what I'm talking about? Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, I mean, Halle Berry is good in her delivery. It's just that she's not really given much to work with outside of here. Here's this woman. Um, in extremely tight clothes. Yep. 
I mean, Hugh Jackman's always good, even like the shit I've seen that he's been in. Do you like do you like the montage of him hacking? Yes. Yeah, I, I like it too. I, it's I mean, so it's so re- corny. Exactly. Like, yes. It's peak 2001 type stuff. Yeah, it's yeah. it's ridiculous, but it's it might be actually the best part of the movie. Mm-hmm. It's definitely him giving it his all. Um, Travolta's soul patch. <laughs> the look of Travolta. Yeah, God bless him. <laughs> That's both both looks. Yeah, I, I guess you have three. He three looks big. like he looks like you're like uh, uncle who's overweight, thirty pounds, trying to be Neo <laughs> for Halloween. <laughs> Yeah, it he doesn't look like those Comic Con photos that you should you see on IMDb. Yeah. Where they're like everybody's cool except for like that one guy <laughs> that did not pick the right character. Yeah. Uh that's I'm You know what's cool that uh I mean probably the best thing about this movie is that once again it gives hope to people that are out of shape like me because he did basic after this movie. Yeah. He's in great shape in Basic. Mm-hmm. I mean, I know I said it when we did Basic. I was like, Face Off was before Basic as well, yeah. right? So good for his personal trainer. Yeah, this was better than Basic. So that was gonna be my question. Yeah, my my big question because yeah, you answer already if it's better than uh, Christmas or with worse the than Christmas with the Cranks. It's not worse than Christmas with the Cranks. It's better than Basic. Um, as I said, you know, the, the crime of being bland versus me being mad afterwards. The difference was I was just, like, seething after basic. I never want to watch it again. If this is on, like, TNT and the remote's far away and I'm hungover or something, I'll just be like, all right, well, I'll just watch this. But also, this has the one memorable scene of the the hacking while getting a blowy. Yeah, I'll, I guarantee you this. Uh, I may never watch this movie again or really ever bring it up, but anytime I hear it, uh, it's got a memorable scene. There you go. Yeah. Swordfish. Oh, that's the movie where uh, they <laughs> Wolverine sit gets a blowjob <laughs> while Vinnie Jones has a gun at his head. Um, we'll rank this when we get to the Travolties. Unfortunately, I don't think this is really going to rack up any awards. <laughs> uh, as far as uh, Travolta, Travolta penis nicknames, the Swordfish. The Swordfish. <laughs> that's the when you're too drunk to get a, a full erection. So it's just kind of... <laughs> You you still go for it, but no one really wins in the end. <laughs> so uh, as we've been doing with these Travolta episodes, uh, we're doubling up uh, tonight. We recorded uh, obviously Swordfish. Tomorrow night we are recording Get Shorty. That's first part of our our big finale for mm-hmm. the for the so summer of Travolta winding down. Uh, so like we've been doing these, I'll save my plugs for tomorrow night just so I can get my thoughts more in order. Um, I have I have a plug. Um, our oh wait, did you have? I was gonna anything? say before you get to your plug. I oh yeah, do the do the the universal plug of yes. the festive years who provide our opening and closing tracks. Opening track is always our last stand. Closing track, summer of '99. Their album, "Don't Let Me Lose You," "Don't Let Me Use You." Excuse me. And then the man behind our logo, uh, Hans Rothgeiser from the podcast Nación Combi. Um, you should listen to his podcast if you speak Spanish, and if not, learn Spanish and then listen to his podcast. They talk about Peruvian stuff. Uh, also, if you want a cool logo like ours, you can contact him. Uh, he's at uh, mildemonios at hotmail.com. That's M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S at hotmail.com. And uh, he's also on Twitter at mildemonios. So get on that. And now, <laughs> uh, the one plug I have... Um, this movie it's, called Swordfish. Yes. Fantastic. Uh, inspired partly, apparently, by uh, by the summer of Travolta, our friends from uh, 
we watch the thing mm-hmm. are doing this thing in September where the thing they watch is all of the Fast and Furious movies. Excellent. Which I wasn't even thinking about when I referenced Fast and Furious earlier in the episode. But uh, yeah, they're marathoning all eight of them all in one day. Oh, <laughs> brother. <laughs> yes. And uh, they're, I mean, they're releasing the episodes, I guess, two per episode throughout the month. But but they are watching it all in one in That's one awesome. day and then recording in between every two, I guess. Um and for the last outing for the seven and eight, which coincides with their fiftieth episode, they they asked for some podcasters to record questions, uh not questions, uh uh drinking game thing. So they're watching seven and eight playing drinking game rules that, that are provided by other podcasters. So I submitted a couple of mine. Excellent. Uh, I can't tell you because I think they're trying to keep it a secret, so I can't gotcha. tell you what they are. But just drink we every time Gina Carano's on screen. He was in seven, or is that six? I think that's six. God damn, I'm way behind. Yeah, no, seven. Seven is the one. Seven is the last uh, Paul Walker one, okay. and then eight is the first one without Paul Walker. All right. Well, just either way. God bless Gina Carano. Maybe every time you think of Gina Carano while watching it, <laughs> just <laughs> blitzed. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that sounds like a lot of fun. I look forward to listening to it. Uh, I've seen most of them. I haven't seen the first two, mm-hmm. and then three through eight, I've I watched in theaters, which is pretty impressive. Now that I think about it, <laughs> yeah, I saw the first one in theaters. I remember I went in eighth grade, had a date with uh, it was a double date with me and my friend Zach, and I don't remember the girls' names, but one of our moms drove us to it or something like that. And yeah, it was awesome. It was like school on Monday. Have you heard this movie, The Fast and the Furious? So then why is it that – because you're a big rock fan, mm-hmm. although this is not the first time that I guess I'm mildly surprised that you're not supporting The Rock's film career. <laughs> I support Dwayne. Yeah, but you don't watch everything he's in. No. This <laughs> is like John Cena. John Cena's a great man. I'm not going to watch everything he's in. I still haven't seen Trainwreck. Blockers was all right. Oh, you watched it? Yeah. I was at uh, my friend's house, and she had it on in the background, and uh, it, it – it's one of those raunchy comedies that tries to have all this like serious heart in it, and it's kind of shoehorned in. Um, but John Cena is really funny. Yeah, he is really funny in it. Um, but yeah, so so I guess my question was, when did you stop like really being invested in Fast and Furious? If you had such a really good first outing, well, I was fourteen, I, <laughs> or maybe even thirteen. My tastes have changed significantly. Oh, so you're saying then. that you outgrew? The franchise. Well, that's not fair because it, I've watched them on TV. The parts of it's awesome. It's just needless mayhem. And for me to say I outgrew it would be asinine. For me to like just be constantly suckling at the teat of the A team. And um, <laughs> I, I don't know. I think with that, you'll find with me, with the exception of like Friday the Thirteenth, there's not many franchises I get really invested in because I really like the one and done. Uh, and in the case of Fast and Furious. Yeah, they're all awesome, but it's the exact same story every time. It's not, man. That's okay. you're showing you're showing your your lack of uh, knowledge of five and beyond, and so. probably that whole thing of I'd rather just go watch Running Scared if I was going to watch a Paul Walker movie. But this one has cars. Nobody has to run. <laughs> have you seen Running Scared? Oh yeah, I have. Oh dude, Chaz Palminteri. Yeah. yeah. That weird subplot with the. I was about the... to say, you want to talk about a hard left? <laughs> yeah. Those pedophiles. Yeah, that's a really weird <laughs> turn in that movie. Um, this is literally like we need something for the wife to do while he's doing all the running scared around. It was like a swordfish. All they had started with in swordfish, it was just <laughs> explosion. 
The script for Running Scared was Verifar Miga kills pedophiles. Let's build around it. And Paul Walker was like, I'm interested. Ride me. Ride me a role there. Jazz Palminteri. Okay, I'll, t- I'll get my agent on this. Anyway, they're calling this thing Furious Timber. So. Excellent. Yeah, kudos to them. That's going to be fun. Yeah, I look forward to it. Uh, and that is my plug for Swordfish. Excellent. We'll have more to discuss tomorrow after Get Shorty. Uh, I'll have a, a plug proper to review. Uh, but in the meantime, that was Swordfish. The summer of Travolta rages on. We, Unfortunately, here in Texas, we're not seeing the end of any hot days. But here on the Contrarians, we're getting close to the, the Golden Arches, the end of the tunnel here for the summer of Travolta. So, uh, for, the, for the now, that's going to do it for myself, Alex, and for Julio. We do thank you for joining us here on the Contrarians, where we're right and you're wrong. And we will catch you next time. The summer of 1999. Hey guys, do you have a screenplay you need feedback on? Well, you are in luck. I, Julio, the half of the contrarians that speaks with an accent, I'm doing official screenplay coverage now. And if you're a listener of the show, you'll get a discount. Just email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com and tell us which is your favorite episode of the podcast and why. Turnaround is about two weeks and you'll get detailed notes that are even more thorough than what we do in the show. Although it'll also be less funny. For more information, email wearethecontrarians at gmail.com or visit our website, wearethecontrarians.com, and click on the Julio Reads Your Scripts link. Your voice is beautiful.